Um, what I do want to do is Isabel, come on up here. Isabel is one of our, our newest family members here at D2L. And God, God is just doing some amazing things in your life. And I just want you to share a little bit. We talk a lot about sowing and reaping. And you hang out with the Emeralds, and they talk a lot about sowing and reaping. Tell us a little bit about what happened to you a couple weeks ago. So there's like, I was on a, going home to meet my parents, and I was really nervous, and I spent a good time there. <laughs> and I was on my way back, and I was told that I had to go back home, but I didn't have any money. And I'm just like, it's like one of those moments where you're not like saying, oh my God, just exasperate it. You're literally saying, oh my God, because you really mean it. And I was walking around, and I step out of rosary, which sounds weird, but I really did. And I was like, that's weird, but ironic, but not, because it obviously means something. And I got on the train. I was like, I was speaking to the conductor, and he was like, oh, no, I pay for your ticket because I feel like I should pay for your ticket. And that's what happens when you weep and sow. So you're, you're, I, just wanna, I wanna make this story as scary as it was for you. <laughs> I'm gonna get inside your mind for a second. You're stuck at South Station in yes. Boston. Yeah. You have no way to get home. I, I'm going to fill in the details for you. You're stuck at South Station in Boston, no way to get home, and you're, you're walking and you step on this rosary. You pick it up because you still have it. Yes, I do. Which you no, said was weird and kind of ironic, but that's okay. You know, we can move beyond that. But you got on the train, and you find out that it was the conductor, the conductor, the conductor. that paid for your yes. ticket. Isn't that awesome? God will meet your need right where you are every single time. I think that's great. God is looking out for you, and he's looking out for you. I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm really, really excited. You know, we can easily, I don't think coincidence exists. I just want to tell you that. I don't think coincidence exists. All right, are you ready to get to what God has for us tonight? Say yes. Turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23. It's a scripture we've been using for a little while now. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And I am going to read tonight from the New Living Translation for this scripture. I have a different translation for every scripture. I find the ones I like the best. Proverbs 4, 23. When you get there, shout, I got it. Here we go. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. How about this? Let's go over to Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. We're laying a foundation for our study here. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. I have this in the Amplified Translation. Here it is in the Amplified Translation. And the man and his wife were both naked. Need I say any more? And they were not embarrassed or ashamed in each other's presence. Last week we talked about this. There is a purity that comes in guarding your heart and keeping your body pure and not entering into anything before the time is right. There's a purity that comes in that relationship of marriage that you don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing secret. You guys share everything together. Let's go over to our scripture for tonight. Song of Solomon chapter chapter 2, verse 7. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 7. Arthur, you are fast, man. Can you read it for us? You need the mic? Awesome. I love that you want the mic. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hens of the field, that ye stir not up, nor wake my love, till he please. 
All right. Let me read it to you from the message translation. Lend your ears to me. Here we go. Oh, let me warn you, sisters in Jerusalem, by the gazelles, yes, by the wild deer, do not excite love. Do not stir it up until the time is ripe, R-I-P-E, and you are ready until the time is ripe, ripe, R-I-P-E. This is where I want to begin tonight. I want to talk about when the time is ripe and what the ripe time is. R-I-P-E, that word, as soon as you hear it, what pops into your mind? Fruit. Very good, Destin. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever eaten a piece of fruit that was not ripe? Okay, let's talk about some descriptions here. Now, what, what are some of the, what's going on in your mouth when you're eating this piece of fruit that is not ripe? What are some of the feelings you're having? What is, it's what? It's hard. What else might it be? It tastes bad. What else? It's sour. Okay, you may want to watch your health. What else? So it's sour. It's hard. It's disgusting. So, okay, but, but, but he's got a good point, too. He's got a good point when it's rotten. That's why being ripe is perfect timing, isn't it? Okay? You know, sometimes, sometimes we have these bananas at home. Now, what you're talking about is right, Alex, but let's do the opposite. At, at home, we have these bananas, and do you ever get bananas? They go from, like, green to rotten. It's like they don't go to ripe. They never get ripe. They go to green to rotten. And so my wife will ask me, hey, are these ripe? And I'll be like, they, they, they're yellow with a little bit of green on top. And I'll be like, yeah, those are ripe. Don't worry. And she'll open it up. And the peel is, is you know, because the peel is hard to get off. It won't come off. And she'll open it up. And she's like, this is hard. This is not ripe. You miss the flavor when it's not ripe, don't you? Yeah. It's hard. It's sour. And it might even be bitter. Like kiwi is an amazing fruit. But if you have it when it's, when it's right off of the vine, it is so tart and so bitter, it hurts your tongue. Now, follow me for a second. Because the writer here is talking about love being the very same thing. The descriptions you gave of, of fruit that's not ripe is hard, sour, and disgusting. Okay? Let's talk about love when the time is not ripe. It can be hard. It can be sour. It can straight up be disgusting. And here's another one that I like, the bitter. It can be bitter. And see, this is what the writer is teaching us, that we need to wait until the time is ripe. That word is so important because there is a right time for love and romance and sex. There's a perfect time for that. I want to, I want to pause right here and, and tell you guys this. You know, growing up in youth culture and growing up in this very youth group, you know, we really learned a lot about what God's plan for us was, and it was amazing. But in my own mind, I began to think that sex is a bad thing, that it's like, you know, relationships and sex are over here, and God is over here. And I want you to know that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, if you look at God's original design, the crown of his creation is humanity, is mankind. And not only that, but he made two so that they could come together. And I want you to understand that sex and romance and relationships is the most amazing thing, but God has put restrictions on it. And what is that restriction? Marriage. Marriage is the restriction. 
And when you have that and a relationship, a romantic relationship that goes too far outside of marriage, the time isn't ripe. And that's why it becomes sour. And that's why it becomes bitter. And you know what? You eat that fruit when it's not ripe and it goes down to your belly. I want you, your belly can have a hard time digesting it because it's not ripe. Same thing. When you're in a relationship and the time is not right, it really, it can really bother you. It can get to the deepest part of your heart, which is why the scripture says, guard your heart. I'm not here tonight to bash relationships. I love romance. I am like a romantic king. I really am. How do you think I wooed that beautiful woman over there? Okay, look at me and look at her, okay? That, that's just like not working. This beautiful woman, God gave me, okay? You know, like, that just doesn't make any sense. Like, I, look, I wake up, I look in the mirror. Even after I do my hair and look nice, I'm like, man, I, why? Why did she marry me? I don't get it. But, but I just appreciate that God brought her into my life and that she would want to spend her life with me. I mean, look at me. She wants to spend her life with me. It means something to me. It doesn't have to mean anything to you. But I just, I, I think about that. It's beautiful, and there is a right time. And God created, listen very carefully to what I'm going to say. God created romance. It's his design. God created sex. That's his design, okay? But it gets messed up outside of marriage, and that's the most important thing for you to understand. The scripture here says, the writer here says, don't awaken love until the time is ripe. Now, I want to share this little illustration with you. I went home and cooked for you, by the way. I want you to know that. My, my brother-in-law, uh, who wants to come up and just uh, take the stuff out of the bag and open up? The, um, Alex, come on up here. Take, take the stuff out of the bag and, and, and take the foil off of that food. I want to tell you this story. How many of you love Thanksgiving dinner? Noah's like, wait, there's food up there? Let me go. <laughs> who loves Thanksgiving dinner? Okay, who thinks Thanksgiving is the second best holiday of all? Who thinks Thanksgiving is the first best holiday? Because there's no commercialization, only food. And I love Thanksgiving. Let me tell you why I love Thanksgiving. It's the day you get to give thanks to God and you get to do it by stuffing your face. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Give thanks to God and stuff your face. So, look at this. I just want you guys to see that. Right on, right? Mr. Kurt did a good job. Now, I, I'm already proving my point. Miss Jennifer said, all right, thanks, Alex. Miss Jennifer said, you know, Kurt, as soon as you pull out the McDonald's, kids are going to go crazy, and they're not going to understand. I said, that's the whole point. I'll talk a little bit about this. But who loves that? I just love Thanksgiving dinner. My brother-in-law, my brother-in-law's name is Tim. Tim's a very amazing guy. He's also a very interesting guy. Tim will be on his way to my parents' house for Thanksgiving dinner, and he will stop at McDonald's. He will stop at McDonald's to get himself a McChicken and a McDouble. And I'm just like, brother, you're coming over for Thanksgiving dinner. This is going to be two meals. You're going to have one here and one at your parents' house, and you're stopping at McDonald's. And he makes this a regular habit. Sunday dinner, he'll stop at McDonald's before he gets to my parents' house. I've learned something. See, you can have McDonald's before Thanksgiving dinner, but you'll ruin your appetite for what's really good. You follow? You follow? Let that sink in for a second. <laughs> Just let that one sink in for a second. You can have McDonald's before Thanksgiving dinner, but you will ruin your appetite for what's really good. Now, my brother-in-law, he has like cow's stomach. He's got like six stomachs, so he doesn't ever ruin his appetite. He's always ready to eat. But the way that I see it, and you know, 
man, this stuff looks so good on television, doesn't it? I mean, and then you get it and you're like, that, what, where's the other half? You know, like, what's the deal? That is, that's what they gave you? I don't even understand that. And I don't know about you, but when I eat this, it, it kind of feels good. Like, don't you just get that moment when you're like, oh, this is awesome. But then you wait five minutes. Then you wait five minutes, and your mouth has got like this flavor that is almost ungodly. And you're like, I don't, I don't think my mouth is supposed to have that flavor. And then it travels down, and you're probably like, I don't, I don't think I'm supposed, I don't think I was made to feel like this. I don't understand. Now, that's if, watch this now. I'm not going to eat it. I'll stop touching it for whoever wants to eat it. But I want to I share this with you. This will keep you healthy and strong. Carrots, broccoli, cranberry sauce, some mashed potatoes, some chicken. But that'll keep you healthy and strong, okay? This is what's good. You can't survive on McDonald's. And the guy who thinks he proved it wrong, I'm telling you, you can't survive a McDonald's because your body wasn't made to thrive on this. I want, you to bring, I want to bring this home to our understanding now. This is love and this is sex. This is relationships right here. And this is what's good. And unlike my brother-in-law, I'm challenging you tonight to hold out for what's good, to hold out for that meal that is going to be awesome, that is going to be amazing. You start digging your fork in there. You have, you know, your sparks are flying in your eyes and your, your mouth is on fire. Now, let's be honest. I'm going to tell you something, okay? Don't think I'm weird. There are certain foods that trigger, like I feel like that dog when the bell rings, for those of you who have studied uh, Maslow, I think it is, psychology, Pavlov. When my nose smells buffalo chicken, immediately my mouth just like, bam. Just like, I, I almost like, it almost hurts. It's like, ah, what is going on? I need that right now. <laughs> and, and you hold out for that moment when you get to eat it. And I'm telling you, it's so worth it every single time. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it when you hold out for the ripe time when you hold out. And I want, I want to clarify this. I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about the beauty of a romantic relationship. If you fill yourself up on this, you're not really going to enjoy this. And I want you to know something else. When you get full before the meal is served, you're not interested in the meal. You start filling yourself up now with these little relationships you think aren't a big deal, the time the real meal comes, you don't even care. You're not that concerned about it. God wants you to enjoy every part of the meal. I went to look up that word ripe, R-I-P-E. Let me just share this with you. Ripe means mature, full-grown, and ready to eat. Ripe means fit, suitable, and right. Now listen to these descriptive words. Ripe means luscious. Ripe means succulent. Ripe means juicy, tender, moist, and sweet. Your mouth is salivating at those very words. That's how romance is meant to be. That's how relationships, a romantic relationship is meant to be. But it's got to be when the time is ripe. I want you to know that God has this plate available for you, but you need to hold out for what's best. If not, you can have the McDonald's. And in fact, one of you can have the McDonald's tonight. But you can have the McDonald's but you can hold out for God's best. 
you can hold out for what God has for you tonight. Okay, I'll find a way to give that away in a little while, but let me just share this with you. Who, who came last Sunday and the Sunday before again? I want to see your hands. Pastor John is talking about what? Sowing and reaping. Okay, follow me for a second. What do you do? So if you're holding out for this Thanksgiving meal, if you're holding out for this awesome meal, what do you do in the meantime? Well, you can do some stuff in the meantime to prepare for that meal of marriage, for that meal of sex and relationships. And what you can do during this time is you can sow seed. Follow me for a second. You can sow seed into your own life by guarding your heart. You can sow seed into another's life by guarding their heart. Guys, if there's a girl that you're attracted to and, and, and you really want to do what's right before God, then guard your heart. Don't, let your, don't put yourself out there and let her know. And guard her heart. So that you, because right now you can't sustain that relationship. Right now it's not going to be possible to continue it. So what's the point in breaking each other's hearts and moving on from one broken relationship to another? You can sow seed into your own marriage by beginning to guard that other person's heart. Ladies, same thing. There's a guy you find attractive, you know, and you think that he finds you attractive as well. You need to first guard your heart. Sow seed for your own life, and then sow seed into their life. Refuse to wear your heart on the string. Don't just, don't just let it out there. Guard your, and protect your heart and guard his heart. The next thing that you can begin to do is pray for your spouse. You're sowing seed. Seed goes into the ground to produce a harvest. It takes time. You can pray right now for your spouse. You can say, God, I just thank you that you're keeping my spouse pure. I don't want to have a piece of bubble gum that's been chewed. I don't want to have, I want something that is pure. I want something that is unopened, unwrapped just for me. I get to take the bow off. I get to unwrap the cover. You know, whatever you want to say, God, I want what's pure. Pray for your spouse. Pray that God will lead them and protect them through this time in their life. Here's another thing that you can do. This is a big one. I think this is so important. Treat every person like they're somebody else's spouse. Guys, treat every young lady that you know with dignity, honor, and respect like she is someone else's wife. Ladies, treat every guy you know with dignity, honor, and respect like he is somebody else's husband. God will honor you for doing that. I had so many friends that were girls in high school. I was a great friend. I, I, no, I really, I'm not, I'm not boasting, but I know that's why. See, I look in the mirror and say, why did you give me this amazing woman? That's why. Because the girls in my life I treated with honor and respect and dignity. And I treated them as if they were my wife in the sense of respecting them and honoring them. And God blessed me for that. I didn't try to pursue them all the time. There were some times that I did but I wasn't as smart as you are. But I treated those young ladies with dignity, honor, and respect because I knew that they were going to be somebody else's wife. That's the biggest thing that we can do while we're in, in this time of waiting. All right, so a couple of you asked a couple questions here. I want to read a few of these, and we'll get right into them. Um, here we go. How will I know that the one is the one? And there's a big one at the end there. I want to, I want to demyth and destroy something that I believe has destroyed Christians for a long time. I think the enemy has young Christians chasing their tail, looking for the one, waiting for the one. It's the one. It's the one. We always talk about the one. And I want you to know tonight, I want to say this as as, as correctly as I can, that God does have 
If it's your desire to be married and it's God's plan for you and you and God talk and you know you're going to get married, God does have a person for you that he is going to bring along your path when the time is ripe. But this whole idea of, you know, uh, how will I know it's the one or what if I marry the wrong person? That's a question we're going to get to in just a minute. How will I know it's the one? Listen, the only way that I discovered who God had for me was to listen on the inside of my heart because I had developed a personal relationship with Jesus and I knew God's voice. I knew his voice in my heart. And that is how God began to speak to me about who I was going to marry. That's also how God began to speak to me about everything in my life, the car, the apartment, the, uh, the everything, everything. See, I was sharing with another young guy last week that right now it's like the relationship. Then when you get married, it's going to be like kids and the house and the car. It's always something. So if you can start right now listening on the inside when God is speaking, then it will bless you in the future, and that's how you'll know who the one is. But this whole idea that there's this one person out there for you, and if you, like, like just follow me for a second. God creates you over here. He creates this other person over here. And if you don't do everything right, and if you don't, you know, uh, th- that God is going to somehow not let you be with that person, that there's this one person out there for you, this prince or this princess, and there is. There is. But don't get so focused on, can you miss it? There's a question here. What if I marry the wrong person? I want you to know something. God honors covenant. When you make a decision, you stand before that person, that pastor, that priest, whoever, and say, I, you say, I do, before that pastor, before the congregation, and before God. God will honor your commitment. There is no wrong person at that point, okay? You need to understand that. Because Everybody in our culture right now, even people who are serving the Lord, not everybody, but everyone is chasing this idea that if the relationship's not working so well, they must have married the wrong person. If things aren't going perfectly, it must be the wrong person, and there's another one out there for them. Do you see how dangerous this myth is? If we get our minds so built up on this idea that there's this one person who's going to satisfy every waking, needing desire inside of your heart, it's wrong. The only person that can do that is Jesus. And once he fills that gap, and once he fills that hole, then you can freely give your heart away to that person that God has for you. Because the truth is, in a a romance relationship and in marriage, you can't suck that person dry of everything that they have. They will never fulfill all your needs. Only Jesus can. And when he fills you up, then you're free to give it away. You follow me? You understand what I'm saying? Don't get so caught up in this idea that you could miss the one. God will lead you. And then guess what? I want you to know something. Let me blow your top. You have a choice. You get to choose. Okay? You get to have a part in it with God. It's not like God's going to bring this person. Because I always used to be like, what if God gives me like the real ugly girl? Oh, God. God, what if he does that? Come on, be honest with yourself. I'm not the only one. What if, God, what if you do that? You get to play a part in it. It's your, it'll be your spouse. You need to work with God. That only happens through a real relationship with him. Okay, that's really what it boils down to. But I want you to understand don't, don't be chasing like a dog chases its tail. Don't do that about the one, the one, the one, the one. Get your eyes on the Lord. And as you put your focus on him, he will lead you down the right path and he will bring the two of you together, okay? That's the most important thing that I can communicate to you tonight. The next question here, I, I think that's all. Let me just double check. 
This is, I just shared this. How did God reveal to you the woman you were going to marry? And I just, I, I want to reiterate again that that is, that is through the Holy Spirit, that I had developed a relationship with God. And even when I was turning my back on him, he was still speaking to me. And that is what's so important, that you develop a relationship with God so that he can speak to your heart. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes tonight.